Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. Um, We, as always, work hard to find things that we think are going to be of practical value to you as you age. I wanted to splice this in. Be sure and hit the like button and the subscribe button. You know how this works. If if you watch this and enjoy it, no matter how helpful it is to you, it stops there without your letting other people know. So we're entirely dependent on you, somebody who presumably likes this material, to, to let others know. So we appreciate that. Thank you. So we know that money is important. We know that having a, a, a adventurous, meaningful, fulfilling time during your retirement is important. So it's great if you can bring these things together. And it turns out that our guest today, surprisingly, has an event scheduled in St. Louis. Yes. This is coincidental, incidentally. So he has an event scheduled in St. Louis, which he's given a seminar related to this topic. And so we thought this is perfect. We will have this guest on today to talk a little bit about the topic. Those of you who want to follow up with the seminar, that's fine. But whether or not you do that, I know you will find this topic interesting. Will you go ahead and introduce our guest? I would love to. It's Winton Churchill. He's a contributor with International Living and also the author of The New Retirement, The Rise of the Gig Economy, and How You Can Profit from It. Okay, Winton, we have to ask you about your name. There's got to be a story behind this one. And and let, let me make clear before we even start the explanation. It's Winton, not Winston. Winston. So at first, doubtlessly, viewer, you're thinking, oh, this is some play on Winston Churchill. (laughs) But you would be wrong. Tell us, give us a quick overview. I thought that story was interesting. Sure. So I'm a junior, and my father was born in 1924. And he was named after a car called the Winton Six. And the important thing to realize is that while Winston was the exchequer, basically the Secretary of the Treasury in 1924 in the UK, virtually nobody knew him around the world other than in the UK. And 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 so my grandfather was a automobile mechanical aficionado, and there was this car called Winston Six that is was manufactured in Cleveland. They their company was sold to General Motors and became a division of General Motors. And that's the car that my father was named after. Uh, PBS did a show called Horatio's Drive, and it's all about the Winton Six because it was the first motorized vehicle to cross the United States from coast to coast. Really? So, I didn't um, know that. Mm-mm. Yes, and and I'm n- named after that uh, car, or I'm named after my father who's named after that car. And then th- there's a longer uh, story, but briefly, I'll say that uh, in uh, 16 years ago, I was asked to take a DNA test, and uh, by the Churchill Surname Project, I I did. Our family didn't think we were related, really, to the Churchills in uh, in England because we'd been in the United States since the 1600s. And what the DNA test showed is that I'm related to an ancestor of Winston, so we share a common ancestor. I'm not obviously a descendant of his, but we share a common ancestor. Interesting. Well, now I do see a little bit of resemblance here, don't you? Just that a, yeah. that Churchill look. You do have the I, Churchill look. Uh-huh. I, I I get that from time to time. And, uh, you know, for most of my life, they didn't say that, but now a lot <laughs> they do. <laughs> well, you've caught up to him a little bit. A little uh, bit, yes. Well, um, so let me let me kind of set the stage for you to talk a little bit more about your area of expertise. Um, you've managed to hit on a need that's out there, and and that's the idea that people who retire now, especially in these inflationary times, mm-hmm. they're thinking, well, gee, I have some money saved, but I'm earning very little on it because my rate of return has been historically like less than two percent. Right. I think treasuries were less than two percent. I mean, that's the most yes. secure you can. So people right. were saying, gee, 
I have these assets, but I'm earning very little money on it. I don't want to start eating into my principal in terms of, of my daily or annual costs and overhead because I may live longer than I think, in which mm-hmm. case I need to generate some money. But I don't want to continue doing what I've been doing. I want to do something different, something maybe even adventurous. Right. Uh, but how do I generate money in my retirement and still have the things that I think of as making the retirement desirable? Flexibility, right. newness, challenges, all those things that many people want in their retirement. So I'll kind of hand the floor to you and and tell us how you ended up in this business and, and okay. what it consists of. Okay. So, yes, we uh, now run into lots of people who they don't want to work 100% of the time. They want to work 25 to 35% of the time. They want to push off the date. They have to stop start tapping their savings, their 401k, whatever that might be. And th- they want to do something simple. You know, many of us had... 40, 50, 60 hour a week jobs for much of our lives. And we were making PowerPoint presentations and doing spreadsheets and writing emails and reports and summaries and client communications and that kind of thing. And we don't want that intensity, but we have a lot of skills that we've gained over that time. And now there are marketplaces online that work similar to eBay, but they're marketplaces for businesses that need proofreading, they need customer service help, they need somebody to help an executive put together a PowerPoint presentation, they need somebody to uh, build a a spreadsheet for their small business to help them figure out how to keep track of their inventory. And all these skills, and I call them kind of micro skills, you know, most baby boomers think about their occupation, and that's where they have a lot of trouble when they come to this, is they don't think about the individual skills that they have. And what we do is help them identify the skills. So that's like build, do some proofreading or build a PowerPoint presentation or something like that. But then there's this other thing called domains of knowledge. And if somebody has been in the pharmaceutical industry, they have a domain of knowledge about the pharmaceutical industry. They know when the big drugs came along and when big recalls were made and all the, the ups and downs of, of that industry, and they likely were a person that helped their company in one way or another recover from both the ups and the downs because both take a lot of effort, a lot of change. Uh, you know, the phrase about baby boomers and people over 50 that comes to mind is this is not your first rodeo. You've been here before. You've survived every single crisis we've faced in the last uh, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. And you have lots of problem-solving skills, lots of ability to put things in perspective. And there are organizations that need this help. They don't need to hire you to be full-time on their staff, but they need a good person they can go to every time they need a presentation or every time they need an article written about a topic that you have a lot of knowledge about. So that's what this work is is like. And we do, you know, six-hour seminars on this, so that's it in a nutshell, but there's uh, more to say. So that is what's coming up in St. Louis, I assume, one of these workshops? Yes, yes. We're doing uh, a workshop prior to the pandemic. We did a a, a once-a-year live workshop And the rest of the year, depending on the year, we do three uh, to four and have done three to four of those uh, every uh, year in in virtual form. But this is the first one in live form in uh, three years. So tell us then, this is in in April. What is the date of it? Right. It's April 22nd through the 24th. At the Chase Park Plaza. Everyone knows where that is. Uh, and the name of it is Fund Your Freedom Workshop, How to Bankroll a Portable Life with Winton Churchill. Uh, let's talk about the word portable. So the idea is that that these sorts of gigs, I guess it's part of the gig economy. Right. Yes, yes, it is part of the gig economy. Is that is that it gives you the ability to live where you want to live and still do this sort of business, have this sort of income. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And And two years ago... 
I had to explain that, yes, you can work remotely, <laughs> and now I don't have to explain that. Right, we all understand that. We all had the course, yes. Now, Winton, let me ask you. I, sure. I can see where some people, you know, especially in this age group, might find this to be a risky move. Um, yes. What would you say to those people? Well, I would say that things like Bitcoin are risky and <laughs> things like well, setting, yeah. up your, setting up your own website are, are risky. This has a, a very reduced risk. You can sign up on these networks for free. You basically put up a profile, which is like a resume, but it's it's the opposite of a resume for lots of reasons. But you put up a resume and you go in there and, and I just looked, there were uh, 4,000 proofreading assignments up for grabs today. And so people that have skills of say proofreading will bid on those jobs and over the next few days or week, those jobs will be awarded and they will do those jobs from home wherever they are. And if you think about this, this is the first time in the you know, 400,000 years that we've been running around on the planet that you didn't have to go where the work was. Right. You know, you could do the work right here. With an and internet a, connection. Absolutely. And that's a pretty momentous uh, change. Now, what are these networks that you're talking about? Well, they're networks like the most popular one in the United States is called Upwork. They have over $2, two billion worth of freelance assignments going uh, through there. They're, uh, they've been around for 20 years. They're venture capital funded by the same companies that funded uh, companies like uh, Google. You know, it's Kleiner Perkins, New Enterprise Associates. Uh, they're uh, in many countries around the uh the world. This is a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, you know, there was this uh, guy by the name that was at the MIT uh, Media Center named Nicholas Negroponte, and he said, "I think it was by the year uh, was it 2020 or something like that that uh, the the largest employer in the world would be self, and that's what we're seeing. Lots of people that are self." employed to do this uh, kind of work. You know, that's, and it goes around the world. You know, Winton, we've hmm. all seen those jobs, you know, that turned out to be scams, you know, make $5,000 a week stuffing envelopes at home. Yes. So, uh, right. So how would someone know if, when they come across, you know, a situation like this, that it's legitimate? Right. Well, th those jobs, you're responding directly to the person that placed that ad. What you're doing here is you're working in a network, and there are many. There's over 150, but there are. Uh, you're in a corral. You're in a safety zone because every uh, freelance buyer, the person that buys your services, has to prove, uh, you know, that they're legitimate through their connection to a financial institution. And one of the curiosities of the way these things work is your payment as a freelancer is guaranteed. The minute that you accept the job, if you check the option that we suggest all our members check, your the money comes out of your freelance buyer's account and goes into an escrow account. And Upwork operates to the same strict requirements that banking organizations operate to and that kind of thing. And so the money goes into an escrow. So if you complete the job, uh, and and market complete that money flows to you. It's it's not a question of going back to the person who is you know excited about giving you a job at the first of the month, but runs out of cash before they get to the end of the month right. and and can't pay you. So that's the first part of it is when you work within these networks. And uh, frankly, one of the problems that come up from time to time is people get enthusiastic about freelancing. They go onto one of these networks where they're protected, and the freelance buyer says, "Hey, you know, we could we could save the commission that this organization is charging by going off the network and working together one on one, and I'll send you money by PayPal or something like that." And that's when the potential for fraud happens sure. because you're not within that protective envelope. So, um, how do people move to? the front of the line. In other words, I can see where the examples you describe, there would be hundreds. And part of the challenge is how you sort through. I know that 
one of the complaints of many of the the search websites for people seeking regular jobs was that they become one of thousands of resumes and and it was actually a problem with with many of these websites because like jobs.com where employers quit using them because there're just so many that they couldn't make sense of the resumes and a lot of wasted time and indeed.com i think has has advertised itself as a website that has sort that has solved that problem in some way and i don't know the particulars but in this case you're describing how do you manage to get attention well, the, the first thing to do, this is one of the things we teach, is how to differentiate yourself from everybody else on there. And a, a very simple of exa- example of this is if you go on to the, most of these networks and you read the profile of the person, it says, I did this, and I did that, and I did this other thing. And it's very much focused on the freelancer. And what they don't realize is you want to write in a way that is focused on the client, my 23 years experience working for a major corporation in the marketing department means you'll get uh, a freelancer that's used to demanding schedules and absolute accuracy in the information you produce. So that would be a way of taking, I I did this to something that relates to the, the freelancer. But there's another that, that comes along with respect to uh, giving the buyer a little bit of texture about what the job is you, you've done. We, I was working with a guy who had the title regional manager, and I said, you know, regional manager may mean a lot to you and your organization, but it means nothing to the person that's hiring you. So tell us a little bit about what you did. I was a regional manager in a mid-sized manufacturing company. I supervised a group of this many people, and we achieved these goals over time. And so you're giving that buyer, that potential buyer, a a little bit of texture in terms of, of what you do. And then oftentimes your industry knowledge uh, or even some of your hobbies or interest are also very important to this. So we're looking for the intersection of what we call your domains of knowledge, you know, kind of going this way. And then we're looking for the other thing is your skill set. So if you know how to produce a presentation and you know a lot about insects, you would be the perfect person to produce a, a 10 slide PowerPoint presentation on insects. So that's that's what we're looking for. And that's how you differentiate yourself. You don't want to be just another middle manager or that kind of thing uh, that comes along. So, so oddly enough, then I can see where the algorithm, the search algorithm, yeah. would reward someone who might might incorrectly conclude that, look, if I cast my, my net the widest possible, then I'm most likely to get a job. So if they have, in your example, if they're really good at presentations, they may just put a great presenter and ignore that other piece. The insight, whereas somebody who has both those key words, I assume a search, a good algorithm would would lock onto both of those for that much smaller group who would be looking for somebody, as you said, that that not only knows that area, but also is a great presenter. That's exactly right. That's what we're looking for. If you search um, for, for a proofreader, you're going to see tens of thousands of proofreaders in there. But if you search for a proofreader that knows something about insects, you're probably going to see 12. And that's what we teach people how to do. And, you know, I've been saying this for 14 years, and still to this day, most people don't understand that. They they think that that buyer is, that is looking for the absolute best proofreader in the world. That's not. They're looking for somebody that knows a little bit about what they're doing, and is a good proofreader. And I understand with the resume, you tailor it to um, fit the the job ad by using certain buzzwords that yes. are in that ad, and that will get attention. And you know, your resume is not going to be tossed out. Right, right. the The difference, the main difference, is that a resume is chronological, and and covers your entire entire career. When I was at Apple and I was interviewing people that were applying for a job, HR would come in and said, oh my God, this person had a six month gap in employment 
they could have been in jail during that period of time, you know? And the freelance world, they're looking for your skill set. They don't care if you were in jail for that period of time. Well, yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, that's kind of what it is because this is not a forever relationship. This is, let's see how you do on this proofreading assignment. Yeah. But once they, and the way we teach our program is we want you to cultivate relationships with three to six freelance buyers that you can work with on an ongoing basis. And that way, if any one of those buyers drops out, it's kind of a portfolio management thing almost, you 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 don't lose your entire employment. You might lose one-fifth of it or something like that. And then you also know how to go back into these networks and, and find another client that will do repeat business with you. Mm -hmm. So um, can you find gigs where... You're not just working online, meaning you get the gig online, but but it, some of these would be presenting to groups of people or might involve interacting interacting face to face in in certain places. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And, and I I can't I, I can't let go of the idea you mentioned that you're with Apple. And one thing that we probably should have done at the outset was tell a little briefly about your background because it sounds like you've had some great experience. Yes, I, I was mostly on the sales and marketing side of uh, a number of organizations that people would not even recognize, but three they might. One would be Apple, another one would be uh, Sun Microsystems, and then the other one would be Oracle. And in the yeah. you know mm -hmm. enterprise space, those are heavyweights. Uh, yes, yeah. And so you made then the decision at some point to leave them and do what you've been doing. Uh, which in addition to this, you had a sort of gig jobs of your own. Can you talk about that process, that transition? Yes. Well, you know, I, I, I saw that when I was about 50 years old, you kind of get kicked to the curb in corporate America. You know, you don't get the plum assignments. You don't get invited to the important meetings and that kind of thing. And the dot-com bomb came along at that point. And my about boss. About what at year that, is it? Tell me what year. Uh, this is uh, 20, uh, uh, 2002, I want to okay. say. Okay. Okay. Right. 2001, 2002. And the company I was working for, a, a technology company, uh, my boss came in and said, The good news is you get to keep your job. The bad news is we're hiring three out of every four people in your organization. And you, the remaining folks are, are going to have to pick up for that. And because I was in the sales part of the business at that particular time, they said, we're going to cut your compensation in half. Wow. And I went home over a long weekend and said, if if I'm going to work for an idiot, it might as well be myself. <laughs> and that's when I- I like that flew. attitude. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it, and it still applies today. We see the great resignation is exactly that same thing. People have been working from home and- you know, getting more done than they ever got done at the office. And and they go back into the office for two or three weeks and say, I ain't doing this. You and, know, and, you so. know, in marketing and sales, you're especially vulnerable to that sort of conversation. Oh, yes. Because right. they, they create a compensation plan, often not knowing what to expect. And so it turns out that somebody who they might have thought should be earning 100000 under the existing plan mm -hmm. earns 250000 and, right. and so they get together and they say, you know, we've got to raise this goal it because it this person's making too much money. Yeah. Yes. And exactly. apparently you were doing well and they decided they needed to pull you down a few notches. Yes. Yeah. No, that's exactly what happened. And it wasn't, they didn't select me. They were doing it to everybody. And times were difficult when the dot-com bomb happened. And this is all about the time 9-11 happened. So big shift in the economy and and that kind of thing. So uh, these things happen. And and what I know and the message that keeps resonating uh, is that, you know, you want to take control of your own earning if you can. So I started out and I built a successful freelancing business for seven years and then moved to Mexico. And when I moved to Mexico in 2007, a lot of my buddies, people that I'd worked with, friends, said, you're crazy for moving to Mexico. And then in 2008, the collapse, 
financial collapse, right. 2008, 2009 came along. And people said, tell me again how you're living in Mexico and <laughs> working online. And so I helped a few of them just for free and over email at the time, because of course we didn't have things like Zoom. We did have Skype and I used that, but most of it was communication. I'd say, well, you need to set up a profile and here's the link uh, to the website. And they'd write back and say, well, what do I put in my profile? And I had all these email correspondences going back and forth. And one person, after I helped them, you know, get onto one of these networks, they said, you know, you ought to turn this thing into a, a, a training program or a course right. or something. And I said, gee, really? Do you think so? And so I had all the, uh, the course material basically from the emails that I'd shared back and forth with people. And that was, what, about 14 years ago yeah. and about 45,000 members com coming through our various programs. It's all now, about taking that leap of faith and reinventing yes. yourself, you know? Right. But this is so low risk because, you know, I, people say, well, I'm thinking about taking your program, which costs $297, or I'm thinking about uh, going into Bitcoin. And the point I make as gently as you, I can is when you go into Bitcoin, you're taking money out of your savings or wherever yeah. it is and putting it into a very volatile investment. This, the only investment you have is your time. And in 30 days, you're going to figure out whether this is for you or not. You know, it's 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 something that you, you, you know, and all our programs have 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you, you get into it and you say, you know, this isn't for me, we give you your money back. Well, but if it is for you, how cool is it to, to make, you know, most of our folks make between five and $1,500 a month. That's what they're interested in making. But then there are certainly baby boomers who are uh, more towards the age 50 end of the scale who are willing to work full time and they have higher aspirations. Yeah, yeah. So it, the the 500 to 1500 is kind of a sweet spot for many people. That That's where they want to be. That's their goal. Right. That pays their phone bill, their light bill. They're uh, going out a few nights a week and uh, travel to see the grandkids every once in a while. You so know? you refer to them as a member. Uh, so yes. there's uh, the $300 is for the course? Is that yes, correct? that's, the, that's the, the price for the course that we uh, we sell. We have a couple different courses that come at this from, from different directions. Some people are good with words and proofreading, and that's one thing. But then we have another course for people that like don't like to do that kind of thing, but like to do other things. But the the most valuable aspect of our program is that every Tuesday night, everybody that's in our program, they get uh, a year's worth, 52 weeks worth of a live seminar every Tuesday night with myself and our coaches explaining how to do this, answering questions, demonstrating new opportunities that are emerging in the freelance space as we come out of the pandemic and that kind of thing. So that's really, in my mind, the, the biggest value. I mean, I personally have signed up for a number of trading courses over the years, and they're still spinning around on my disc without ever looking at mm -hmm. much. And I, yeah. I, you know, I'm a baby boomer. I, I know that sometimes I'm gonna have a question. Sometimes I have to be re-inspired. All these things come along and that's what we do on our Tuesday night uh, calls. So there's still this support there, you know. Yes. It's not yes. like they sign up and then bye-bye. So now right. is, is this included though for the $300? Yes. Or, uh, and this is the membership and it's for a year? Yes. That's and a, then they can extend it for $15 a month after that. So it's That it sounds like it's very reasonable. It does. So do you have a lot of people sign up for these? Yes, I mean we've had forty-five thousand people sign up for our programs, our our workshops uh, over the last uh, fourteen years. So it's it it's been extremely uh, gratifying in that regard, and you know it, it's not part of a corporation or that kind of thing. So I get to set the rules, and I really enjoy helping people make this transition to something they can do. And the, the freedom that comes from being able to sit at your dining room table and make, you know, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 bucks an hour is amazing. 
it, it, it's just completely uh, different than what most people have ever experienced. I would imagine that you come across the people where this just isn't a good fit for them, where they wouldn't like the isolation. They like going into the office where they're around people. Sure. I mean, do you get that a lot where people yes. sign up and they think, uh, this isn't for me? Well, not a lot because in our marketing literature, we we kind of talk about this isn't for everybody, you know, but if you can work on your own, if you can work without supervision and, you know, there's a lot more people that realize they can after the pandemic in the last two years. And, and so they're opting uh, that way, but it certainly isn't right for everybody. And, and lots of people need the creature comforts of the office, but with, uh, I'm, I'm sure as you both know, there's uh, 10,000 people reaching age 65 every single day. And my guess is that what we do appeals to about 5% of those. That's our market. These are the people that are refused to let their life turn into, uh, you know, trips to the big box store and doctor's appointments, you know. And, yeah. and when you have something in your life to wake up to, like, I've got a proofreading assignment I need to finish by tomorrow or that kind of thing. Uh, that gives you a little extra interest and focus in your day and in your week and in your life. So uh, tell us what the the trends tend to be currently in terms of areas of most marketability or most need. Sure. Well, at, at one end, you, you have the basic skills like uh, proofreading, PowerPoint, writing articles, that kind of thing. Because of the pandemic, every business, every organization, every government agency has to completely change what they do all at once. And this has created a lot of new work. I mean, just proofread this new procedure, uh, proofread this new article where we're instructing our clients how to do business with us in the age of, you know, whatever, social distancing and, and that kind of thing. So that's part of it. The other part is many businesses reduce their numbers of employees. And the idea, you know, coming out of the pandemic is they build back up their organization. Well, before they used to think employee, we had to have an employee. We had 10 employees, so we have to have 10 employees. Well, a company that might do a trade show twice a year can bring in an expert to coordinate that trade show for 60 days each time they do it, who's a freelancer, and then that trade show expert disappears for the other uh, eight months of the year. And, and so you're, you're not carrying that financial burden, the health insurance, health the, insurance, yeah, all those kinds of things because freelancers adjust and there's lots of good, you know, health insurance coverage out there that freelancers can partake in and that kind of thing. So that's, uh, you know, that would be an example of the kind of jobs. And then, you know, there's people that, uh, uh, I, I remember talking to one orthopedic surgeon, for example, and he came through one of our programs and he was uh, saying, you know, I'm, I'm making about $20 an hour, uh, which doesn't seem like very much for a person like myself who's been doing orthopedic surgery for a number of years. And I suggested that he work, uh, he look for jobs that were proofreading in the medical or surgical field. And he found jobs paying $80, $90, $100 an hour looking for doctors who could proofread what they called at the time in-service manuals uh, or in-service scripts for videos that would train doctors, you know, brief them on the concepts of how to use certain surgical instruments, how to do certain procedures, that kind of thing. So there he was bringing his domain of knowledge of medicine of 40 years of doing surgery to bear on the proofreading assignments. And, and this is a very simple concept that most people doing proofreading on these networks don't understand. You know, they, they just kind of spin around down in the $20 an hour proofreading, which still is a $20 an hour is a, is the equivalent of a $40,000 annual income. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily something to sneeze at, considering it, you can do it from your home, you can do it on your own schedule, 
You don't have to have an extra car to commute. You don't have a 30-minute commute. You're not, You're not paying not the high gas prices. Yes, gas prices. I mean, that's, yeah, completely. What about higher-level opportunities where often you think of people becoming consultants when they retire or um, where they might have more general responsibility or, or where they earn money without necessarily a clerical skill? Right. There's a whole category of skills, like there are, uh, you know, kind of CFO for a day. You know, a company needs a CFO or a comptroller, but they don't need one working there every day. Their business volume isn't sufficient from that, for that, but they need somebody that can help, uh, you know, a small business owner trying to rebuild their business uh, get back in business and and. As you probably know, I mean, small business doesn't mean 10 people. It could mean 100 people or 200 people. But most of this work skews towards the smaller organizations, uh, smaller businesses. Since the pandemic, larger organizations, because they can't find the talent, have turned to these networks. And you have people that, you know, there's people that retired with, $200,000 a year salaries who are working as, you know, the chief marketing officer one day a week in, in an organization or the CFO, or they work on a particular project basis, or there are people that know how to use satellite design software for communication satellites, and they're, they're making $225 an hour because that's a very specialized field. Right. Uh, we're living, there's a flood of entrepreneurial activity, has been, you know, for the last three or four years. And so there are people on there that for $100 an hour will review your business plan. So there's uh, sort of what I call the advice business at the top end that relies on, you know, decades of experience. We've all got those by the virtue of the fact that we're still here. And, uh, you know, that's something you can uh describe and people will appreciate that and will buy it. Especially where you are able to, as you said, that intersection of a specific industry where there's a domain of knowledge um, and in that you have some other skill set to intersect with that. So it yes. kind of it makes you stand out from anyone else who'd be simply a consultant or an expert. Exactly. So, it's a way to hang out your shingle to a very specific audience. Yeah. I've got a question. So someone goes through one of these networks, a company hires them for a freelance gig. Can that company come back or does this typically happen where the company comes back to the network and says, look, I really like Joe Smith. I want to use them again. Does that it, does it work that way? Yes. Well, it, it, w <laughs> once you're in the network, you can they can rehire you. Uh, they can add milestones to the original job they contracted you for. This is very popular in the writing area. If somebody's a good writer, they can write an article. A company will send out the exact same job and hire five people to write the exact same article. They'll get the articles back. They'll say, this person did a cut and paste job from Wikipedia. We don't like that. These two people did a pretty good job. This one person did a great job. They really have the background and understand our business. And they come back and say, hey, Charlie, we love your article. We need four articles a month for our newsletter for the next six months. And they will then have a negotiation and uh, contract that person to do that, that repeat business. There is a peculiarity and, and, and something that a lot of people getting into this don't understand is a person might come back to them, a freelance buyer, and say, hey, we want to work with you, but can we work with you directly and cut out the middleman here and not have this commission? And the answer is absolutely not. It violates the terms of service. You know, these networks brought these clients to you, and there's a, a two-year period of time that they get a percentage of the work that you do in that relationship. There is a buyout. So typically for $2,000, if somebody works for you with you for a month and says, you know, we want you to, we want to bring you on as an employee, you can pay $2,000 and you can do that. 
but there there is a relationship, there's value there that's been given and it's not earned out for these networks unless you work on those networks over time. That's a, an important point to know. So what percentage do they take of what you're paid? They take 20% of the first $500 that, of worth of work that you do for them. And then that drops down to a 10%. Uh, typically, there's there's different reasons that it might be slightly different than that, but typically about a 10%. Uh, but the, the number one thing it helps freelancers with is collecting their money. I uh, attended a seminar many years ago from a guy called Alan Shenson, the consultant's consultant. And uh, I had, long as I was working for corporate America, had aspirations to go out on my own, never quite got there until later uh, in life. But he said, plan to expect as a consultant to spend 20 to 30% of your time collecting your money because that's just the way the world is. You know, did you get the invoice? No, we didn't get the invoice. Okay, yeah. I'll Federal Express it to you, that kind of thing. That was the world we live in. And networks like Upwork have a terms of service. So everybody agrees to the rules. You know, you can't sue each other. Everything has to go through arbitration. All these, you know, 20 some pages of rules that protect both parties. And so that for that 10%, you get all your collection stuff handled. You know, it basically happens automatically. Uh, you're uh, protected. If somebody doesn't like what you've done, it goes to an arbitration process. But fortunately, once people realized early on in the 20 years of these networks being out there that you couldn't go in and sue everybody, which would bring these networks to a grinding halt, uh, you know, the people that are in there are not those opportunistic types that are looking for that kind of uh, activity, I guess you'd say. So what distinguishes the various networks, we'll call these companies? Some networks like Upwork and Freelancer.com and Guru.com are general purpose networks. So you can find all kinds of jobs on there. There are other networks that focus just on proofreading. Some networks focus just on uh article writing. Some networks focus just on research and, and doing research online typically in certain areas. So uh, there, there's just all kinds of, of different sort of uh, boutique networks and then general purpose networks. And I say it's, you know, it's like, uh, like Walmart or uh, like, uh, you know, a boutique candle store or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and there are uh, how many big players in the field in terms of these network companies? There's about 10 worldwide um, big players. And then there are hundreds of smaller players. Uh, there's one organization that puts out kind of a map of all of these. And uh, they include organizations like Uber because they're part of the gig economy, what we focus on is these sites where you don't have to show up and do work. We focus on the ones where you can do work from right where you are, this whole portable income right. idea. And, and so there's probably about 30, 35 major networks, depending upon what you know how to do, that you can do that on. So I'm, I'm curious whether or not there's been price competition. I would think that that would be somebody who'd come along and say, well, the industry's at 10%. I'm going to drop to eight. Yes. Well, there's a marketplace inherently creates competition. So the ways that different networks differentiate themselves is by focusing on certain groups of people. The reason we recommend in most cases that people start on Upwork is that Upwork is is the general purpose site. You know, it's it's like that. Uh, who was the the guy that's they asked him why do you rob banks? Uh, uh, Willie, it's where the money something. is. Something. Yeah, yeah, it's where the money is. Yeah, and these networks is where the money is. And so there's downward pressure on the money they pay freelancers as they're getting started. So er, your first job is an audition job for that freelance buyer. 
to see if you're any good. And then once they recognize you're good, then you have a negotiation where you both know how good you are. And the price is usually different as you go forward when it's you're, you're a known entity and they know you can write articles because they've been looking for six months for somebody that can write articles for their newsletter. And here you are, you know, that's a different negotiation versus, hey, I'm a writer out here and I think I can do it. So who does the negotiating? Do you do it or does the network side or is it everyone involved? Well, Do you it, have a voice in it is what I'm asking. Yes, you have a voice. And so when the company comes back and they say, basically they say, what would you charge to produce four articles a month for the next six months? And then you propose back to them. And this is some of the kind of stuff we discuss on our Tuesday night call is bidding strategies and how how do you raise your rate from that first article you did to now working with them on an ongoing basis. There is a period, did you say, of two years in which you're committed once you, uh, any client that you have acquired during the two-year period or for a period of two years, you pay the 10% and then beyond the two years, you don't pay it. Is that well, correct? Well, you, you continue to pay it if you work for up through a system like Upwork and, and you're happy to pay it because within two years, you realize all the protections and additional mm -hmm. You know, the main thing when you start a business is how do I find clients? And the nice thing about Upwork is I sit down at a computer and I type in my search terms of the kind of work I want to do today. And I see dozens to thousands of clients that are offering those kind of jobs. You don't have to, you know, uh, go to Chamber of Commerce meetings and eat chicken and, uh, no. you know, mm -mm. pass I, I out your business card. I completely get that. No, your point's well made that that the 10% or so is earned. Uh, yeah. But I, I imagine it's not real uncommon that somebody will, will find a particular employment relationship that they like and that dominates yes. their time. And in, in that scenario, um, they there's a marriage of sorts. Yes. Uh, in that scenario, did you say there's two years beyond? Yes. Okay. There's, there's two years, but at any time, if if the parties agree to the $2,000 fee, ah, you, yeah. they can hire you as an employee in month two. You know, yeah. They yeah. say, we really like Sally. She writes good articles. We need her here full time uh, because we have to redo our website because most of what's on there right now is wrong because, you know, pandemic and social distancing or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. No, I can see that. But but as you mentioned, there are definitely benefits that you derive from continuing to use the network. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I get that. Boy, time has flown as we've has. been talking about this topic. And it's fascinating oh, wow. to me because it does have such diverse opportunities for yes. people in a variety of different circumstances. Some who want to travel, but others who don't want to travel. I like the flexibility of it. Yeah. So um let, let's mention again, and people can find this information on our website, but uh, the event is uh, April 22nd through 24th, Chase yes. Park Plaza, Fund Your Freedom Workshop, How to Bankroll a Portable Life with Winton Churchill. Uh, and it's it that that's 300 bucks for that event. Is that correct? Well, that no, that event is actually, uh, it's different prices depending upon when they purchase because there's like an early bird discount. And if somebody's bought a product for us before they get a discount, right, but right. that's, uh, will, will run typically between 900 and $1,100 for that weekend. Wow. But it includes Whoa. not just the weekend. It includes, we do one uh, Saturday virtual session to help them get ready for the weekend. And the promise for this is they come in, without an online presence and they leave Sunday night and they've got the profile set up, they, they've got their keywords set up, they understand what skill areas they wanna work in initially, they understand what domains of knowledge they're gonna use to identify these uh, uh, jobs that fit best uh, for them. And then after the seminar, and I did this because I'm like this, I, a lot of times I've been to a seminar over a weekend and said, gee, that was really good, but I have a question. 
and there's nowhere to turn, there's nowhere to get answers. So we have three follow-up sessions, Saturday morning sessions of 90 minutes where we answer questions uh, as people are, you know, having them. They, they get on the system and they go in and they say, I bid on a job, now what do I do? The person accepted my, you know, and, and so we, we help with all the questions that come up in the uh, uh, aftermath of that. Okay, so in order though to to register and I guess determine what the cost will be, um, and you said it's nine hundred to eleven hundred range, right? Right. Yeah. And it, it depends. It, it it gets a little bit more expensive the closer we get to the date. So yeah. they just have to check the link as quickly as possible to get the best. What's price. the website they would go to to register? Uh, I'll I'll provide the link, but they could go to barefootconsultants.com. And there'll be a pop-up on there, and they just click on the pop-up, and that'll take them to the registration page. Barefootconsultants.com. And, of course, anybody yes. can go to our website, and and they'll find all this information and links yes. so that they yep. can go ahead and set this up. Uh, yep. Well, you know, because I'll tell you, when you said $300, I was thinking you were talking about this event, and I was thinking that sounded pretty cheap to acquire the skills to, you know, to make a living. And, yes. Uh, and, and so 900 still sounds reasonable, but just so people know, I always like to say this on the show. Um, we don't have any financial relationship with anybody that we have as a guest on this show. We're proud of that. So right. it allows us to have people on that we're excited about or interested mm -hmm. in. And, uh, and this sounds like a promising way for people to achieve self-sufficiency perhaps sooner than they planned. Yes. In, in your case, I mean, you, 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 now, you intended to break out earlier, but you still broke out pretty young. Yes, 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 I did. And, uh, and, and you know, have a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but learned a lot of lessons. And like you, we don't have any, we don't benefit or receive compensations for any of these networks. So we're recommending to you, as, as we see it, what's the best network? What, you know, what's the best set of skills? What's the, there's, there's no, nothing pulling us in one direction or another behind the scenes uh, financially in that regard. Mm -hmm. Got it. Well, it sounds very interesting, Wenton. It's a pleasure to visit with you. And uh, I suspect we'd, if you're available, we'd like to touch base down the road some. Would love to. Very much would enjoy that. Wonderful. Thank you. This has been another episode of Life's Third Act. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. Each week we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.